Mike Murphy, Fred Huebner, Murph and Fred, back together again on ESPN 1000. Am I chattering? Are my my teeth chattering? Yes, they are, Morning. Hey, Fred. In Chicago, put on a a coat, a hat, a scarf, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Run the water once in a while so your pipes don't freeze. Not just a slow drip. Yeah. So that's what they've called me for many years, a slow drip. Remember seven-layer uh, cakes uh, one time over big... I'm just seven-layer uh-huh. today. Yeah. I was counting on the train. Okay. Yeah. I just hit two. I just got the, right. a sweatshirt on and, yeah. and the coat, so... That's it? Yeah, that's wow. it. All right. Yeah. Had, it's not uh, that windy out right now. Yeah, um, just wait. And it's only it was twelve degrees uh, coming in, which was actually warmer than it's been the last couple days. So that's also the high of the day. Yeah, well, that was okay. It's going to start dropping. Yeah, gonna tomorrow's going to be very cold. No, it, it's it's about ten eleven right now. It's going to be four degrees when we're done at noon. Uh-huh. Usually, it gets warmer as Usually. you get towards noon. Yep. No, it's going to be down to four. And uh, the wind will be sticking around at about 16, 17. So uh, it's a little, little chilly out there today, but seven layers. My first layer is the Carmen DeFalco T-shirt, Okay, if you know what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Uh, he says, I'm the only one that can say that because right. I'm Italian. Uh-huh. And then uh, a uh, long john top over that. And then like a T-shirt over that to snug it all up. And then uh, a little vest jacket, uh, and then they, uh, so it's seven altogether with this jacket. That You only had two, three things? Yeah, let me ask you a question. When, you know, back in the day, as I always like to refer, mm-hmm. uh, before they had wind chills, yeah. um, four degrees would be nothing. It, it, it's when we, get to, when we get to minus 12 regular temperature. <laughs> now, all of a sudden, right? oh, my Lord, it's four. Mm-hmm. No, you know we we've always dealt with this. If you live in Chicago, you've dealt with this in the long, you know, in the long run. It's not as cold now as it's been in in years past. So, but you know, uh, this about twenty years ago, mm-hmm. they the weather service yeah. they changed the calculation for wind chill to make it much more uh, palatable. Okay, so it used to be like thirty below, forty below wind chill, which now would be computed to maybe uh, twelve below. Okay. Somehow they say, hey, we've been doing it wrong all along. Or, you know, back in the day for you, Fred, you know, maybe it was actually warmer in uh, in Cicero. I grew up in Cicero. There's yeah. not too much I believe in unless I see it. That's right. Oh. We would walk up uphill five <laughs> blocks, six blocks uphill both ways to school. Yeah, yeah there's no problem. And so you just got to bundle up and everything will be fine. Yesterday, Jay Hood almost was late getting here because his garage door clo- uh, froze I, up. I, I was listening to that. That yes. stuff will happen. you got to uh-huh. be careful with some of those electrical things. And, you know, with car tires, mm-hmm. my, my wife goes, oh, it says our tires are low. When it's cold like this, yeah. your car is going to say that quite often. But you, you want to have them checked. The problem is checking your tires <laughs> at a gas station right now when it's so damn cold, it's hard for you to unscrew the caps. Are you looking at the yellow, my yellow pad? No, no, no. So Dana, Dana got the uh, new uh, uh, Rav Four. Uh-huh. Okay, nothing to do with Jesse. No, 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 nothing to do. Not a Jesse's guy. No, no, went to my guy over on ninety fifth. Anyway, so Dana's got the Rav Four. She's never had. We never had. You know, big tires, if, right. if that's the word. So the idiot light went on. And, uh, of course, uh, I'm the idiot. Uh-huh. Just as you were saying, the idiot light went on 
yesterday. Yeah, they the, said low tire? Oh, the low tire gauge. Yeah. A little a thing on the dashboard looks like a tire yeah. flat. The only know? thing is, I, I, I wish I had a car nice enough to tell me which tire was low. Well, okay. Here you go. Are you looking at my yellow pen? Man, oh, man. So, Sorry, I don't have that kind of car that tells you that. So, so you got to check all four. So I walk around and do a visual, and but the first one I look at is the front left. Mm-hmm. So I get the old tire gauge up. It's 27. I go, ah, oh, that's maybe, low. It's like 32, I think, yeah. right? Or 34. So 20, uh, yeah. Maybe, did you just pick up a, a nail or something? Uh, uh-huh. Got to get up in the morning now. I got to call AAA. They come over there. It's going to be flat as a pancake. Got to pump you up. And then I got to drive over to, you know, the tire guy right. down the street. And uh, then uh, he'll go, oh, that'll be about $200 for a new tire because we can't, because it's up through the top of the side or all that. So in the morning, I wake up. It hasn't changed. It's no flatter. Right. It's still 27. I go, hmm, that's odd. And, and, and Dana says, uh, texts me from, she says, they're telling me here at work that's because it got cold out. Yeah. I go, smack the, the heel of your yep. hand up to your forehead. It's cold so weather. So I check out the other three tires. They're all perfectly 27. Okay. So I go to the friendly chain tire guy that I always go to out there on uh, Bell Road. Uh-huh. And uh, hey, I said, uh, down down a few here. I said, I got to get them all up. To, can I bring your air hose out? I'll do it. It was beautiful. I sit in the car. He came out. He's got the all yep. 32. Why didn't you tell me all this last week? Yeah. That's what he has. You got to watch it. Anytime it gets cold like this, even if you have a garage, sometimes the tires will go down a little bit. So you right. check on that. All right. But it was warm at the United Center. It was red hot. It was raining. Especially from threes. It was raining threes, uh-huh. as they like to say. Let's go to our uh, Twitter poll for this half hour. Courtesy of... Hey, Big Bad Sean's here today. Sean Davis. Big Bad Sean. Big Sean. Big Sean. Big Bad Sean. All right, vote right now at ESPN 1000. John Paxson should, A or B, A, stick to the tanking plan. B, scrap the tanking plan. Okay. Very simple. A or B, vote right now at ESPN 1000. Three three two three seven seven six. If you want to vote live on the radio, three three two three seven seven six. Area code three one two. John Paxson should stick to the tanking plan. Scrap the tanking plan. But a lot, a lot of vacillating. I didn't want to say uh, flipping because Caparu has got a copyright patent on, on flipping. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of vacillating uh, this week. Sort of fun to listen. Sure, uh, across the, the dials and uh, here and there and everywhere, and you know, uh, well, maybe all of a sudden now uh, the tanking thing is not the best idea. Uh huh. Which I would be proud to say that I've always hated tanking. Right. Right or wrong, that's just my opinion. But a lot of people that have been steadfast. Are now saying, well, you know what? I don't know. All of a sudden now, you know, who, who really knows what, what you want to do? Uh, and here's, here's our NBA expert, Bulls expert, Nick Friedel. We're, Nick's unavailable this morning. He usually joins us every Saturday. Love Nick. One of my favorite guys, our favorite guys. And uh, uh, here's Nick. And this uh, was uh, Thursday at uh, 8.54. Wait, With that, Sylvie. That show don't start till 9. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. 
This is the little, uh, the pre-tease, uh, you know, when the, uh, the New York, the national show right. takes their break. The old Mike and Mike now, uh, Wingo. Golick and Wingo. Golick and Wingo, mm-hmm. thanks. So they sort of set the table, you know, at a few minutes before 9 for the 9 o'clock show. And I'm listening at home, you know, loading up the dishwasher, got the radio on, and uh, and I hear Nick. I go, what? I'm now in your camp, Sylvie. I didn't want to believe that the, the tank was off. But the more I see this team and the more I listen to them, I think they are full on. Let's go to the playoffs. All right, stop the tape. I'm very confused, though. Uh-huh. First, Sylvie is the number one tank man. Yep. So he's, I'm, I'm with you now, Sylvie. Well, he, follow, he well, followed what, I mean, you know, Pax and Gar said that's what they were going to do, basically. Right. We were going to try and get a high pick, and by doing that, you know, in order to try and do that, you, you're going to have to lose. Right. Yeah. But so. but are people now that have been all for the tank saying, well, then the, shouldn't they say, oh, no, don't do that, Pax. Don't change. What's, a, what's 10 wins out of 12? Yeah, that's pretty good. It's 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 screwing up the tank, I'll tell you that. Vote right now. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. It's gonna put them where they where they've been in the past. It's gonna put them in the middle of the pack uh-huh. and, and tougher apparently to get a, a stud. But yeah. um I mentioned this this during the week that mm-hmm. if if in fact they grab someone in the middle of the draft and he turns out to be a stud that uh, other people didn't know about or weren't so sure about then uh-huh. they come out smelling like a rose, and not not Derek. <laughs> Let me hear Nick again. There, I'm now in your camp, Sylvie. I didn't want to believe that the the tank was off, but the more I see this team and the more I listen to them, I think they are full on. Let's go to the playoffs. So is Nick? He's just saying. Here's what they're saying at the United Center. Here's what Pax is saying. I can't. Big Sean, big bad Sean, in front. Are we able to figure out, has, has uh, Nick Friedel, by that statement, said, well, you know what, I, I see what they're doing now, they're changing, or is he buying into it? I'm going to play one last time, because I can't figure this out. Uh, maybe I got uh, too much cotton and uh, wax in my ear, maybe you guys can figure this out. I'm now in your camp, I'm Sylvie. Sylvie. Okay. I didn't want to believe that the, believe. the tank was off, but the more I see this team and the more I listen to them, I think they are okay. full on, let's go to the playoffs. Okay, he's against it, he said. Yeah, he's against them. Tanking he's against, the tank off. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but the only way that they, the only way that they are not tanking mm-hmm. is if they do not trade Robin Lopez and or uh, Nikola Miritich. If they keep both of them, then the tank uh-huh. is off. If okay. they trade them, then you know that they are still trying to tank and get the highest draft pick they can possibly get. The problem they have right now is <laughs> there are only five games out of a playoff spot in the Eastern yeah. Conference. Mm-hmm. They are currently 11th out of 16 teams. You have Brooklyn, Charlotte, Orlando, and Atlanta all beneath them. Right. Actually, two of them are tied with them, but I don't know if it comes to tiebreakers or whatever. I think mm-hmm. they just... I was going to say they have an alphabetical, but they don't. There's a three-way tie for 11th place the Bulls right. are in. right? Yeah, so there's a three-way tie for 11th <laughs> place. And there are four teams mm-hmm. with worse records in the Western Conference. So you've got right. four, five, six. Right now, seven, they're eight, seventh. Nine. Seventh is as high as they would get right now if, okay. if everything just went the way yeah. it is. All right, I, I had it as eight, whatever. It's confusing to add them all up. But seventh or eighth... Uh, uh, most ping pong balls, not the most ping pong balls, or the second, third, fourth, those little combination. They're about seventh or eighth, whatever. <laughs> most that's too many balls, man. Too many ping pong balls. What are they doing? But a game last night, 
that was really fun to watch, uh, whether you're a tanker or not a tanker. A great game. The uh, Here's my favorite uh, headline writer today, the Sun-Times. Not M- M&M candies. Uh-huh. No, no. Here it is, Fred. The M&M dandies. M&M dandies. Marking in Meritage. The M&M boys combined for 60 points last night. I'll say that again. The M&M boys combined for 60 points. By the way, the uh, M&F, the uh, MF boys... Murph and Fred. Uh-huh. Yeah, the MF, we combined for zero. Yes. But the MM boys combined for 60. The bench was unbelievable. Nico, first half, 17 points. Uh, Markinen, second half, 22 points. So uh, there were many periods in the third quarter and throughout the game, but second half, when they were both in the game at once. It's very interesting to watch a game when you got Nico and uh, Markinen. In the game at the same time, Fred, the Bulls have won 10 out of 12. They win last night uh, by final score of 119 to 107. Well, it's a good thing that Meritage was giving Markinen some advice. Like, hey, you let it fly. You're, you know, you're not straight on certain mm-hmm. shots. Uh, give yourself a chance. Markinen saw Nico throwing him in in the first half, and he said, what the hell, I'll go out, out there and do the same thing. And he <laughs> did. Uh, he, instead of thinking so much, he put him up, and yesterday... The Bulls were 18 of 39 from a three-point range, uh-huh. 40, 46%, and they didn't miss a free throw, One, which is huge. 100% free throw, 15 out of 15. Like Fred said, 46% from beyond the arc, and uh, they shot 51% from the field overall. Yeah, Lights out. It was, uh, uh, how about this stat? Here's Markinen, five for nine from behind the arc. Nico, 8 for 16 from three-point land. Not bad. No, not bad at all. And Jaron Grant threw up three out of six. He had 11 points and 12 assists. He got a last-minute start because of a uh, left left tendonitis in the knee. Patellar. Yeah, yeah from uh, Chris Dunn. They, they said it's not major. Doesn't that worry you, though, a young guy with a knee? Or, he's, had, he's had some other problems before. Uh, so They probably all have tendonitis. Yeah. I understand that. Don't get me wrong. The uh, How about also this? This was a number I only saw on the telecast itself. On uh, good old Channel 9 had the game last yep. night. Yep. Most, okay, uh, two different ones on the threes. They made 18 threes, as you were just saying, Fred. That tied the all-time franchise record. Yes, it did. They have never, the Bulls, made more than 18 threes in one game ever. It tied the record. And... Not that it counts, but the 19th one at the, right near the buzzer was sort of an in-and-out rat, rattler. Ooh, I almost made that. But here was the best one. This was a quick uh, quick graphic. They put up around the third quarter. And it was only up for a second, so I had to go back, pause, and write it down. Listen to this. Franchise history through 34 games, first 34 games of a season, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Someone keeps this, probably John DeWan. How many three-ball shots, not made shots, three-ball shots through the first 34 games, all right? Up until this year, the record was 267. Sort of obscure, but work with me. Right. And let's see. uh, Two years ago, through the first 34 games, just like now, 267 attempts, three-ball. That eclipsed the record from a few years earlier by four. Which eclipsed the record from a year earlier by like three, and yada. So, in other words, every year would go up maybe what they were hot, uh, what they were sure it would go up three or four. Right. Okay. 
The record of 267 from uh, 2015, 267, you know what it is right now? Not four more, not five more, 80 more. Yeah. 351 compared to the record of 267. It's amazing to see him doing that. Well, and the only reason it's lower, I mean, I would have thought 33 is a a game the way they're shooting. They uh had 39 yesterday. The only reason it's lower is right after the start of the season. The start of the season, they came out shooting a lot of threes. They went into a week or two thing where they didn't shoot as many threes. And they were getting the ball inside to Lopez and things like that. And they weren't shooting the three so much because Markkinen was was struggling. So they weren't shooting it as much. But since Nico's come back... And uh, Nico coming back also is tied in with David Nawaba coming back from injuries. Mm-hmm. So they're playing very, very well. And as you mentioned, you, you win, uh, was it, 10 to 12. And uh, Nico and uh, Nawaba and Markkinen and everybody had good time last night. It helped that Indiana was without their leading scorer. That uh, really helped going into the game. Well, we don't have Levine, you know. But I know what you're saying. You can't deny that. Right. Let's go to uh, Fred and Bartlett. Uh Oh, first I want here's a, here's a sound bite from from Nick Friedel. All right, it's sort of interesting. This is from Thursday, Thursday nine uh, eighteen in the morning, and Nick Friedel talking about uh, Nico and uh, Lopez and uh, hey these guys. And this was after the victory Wednesday night against the Knicks, so they'd won two in a row at the time. But Nick was saying, hey these guys, they're going to be gone. There are two guys I fully expect to be gone in the next few weeks: Nico and Robin Lopez. I expect them to be anywhere else. And if Garm Pax gets some kind of deal where they get that future asset in return, whether it's a late first-round pick, whether it's a couple second-round picks, whether it's a young player on a, on a rookie-controlled deal, those two guys are at the top of the list. Justin Holiday, another guy who doesn't have a long-term future with the Bulls, maybe he's thrown into some kind of package. And absolutely, Sylvie, even as the Bulls keep racking up these wins, and I talked to Nico last night, after the game for a little bit, and he's telling me, if we stay together, we're going to be in the playoffs. I absolutely believe the plan is still to move those guys soon, to make that happen, to get something in return. But like we keep talking about here, I think that this team is now so confident and believes in itself so much that they could lose Nico and they can lose Robin Lopez and even Justin Holiday, and they can still keep winning. All right, hold on. No, no, that's hard to believe. What Nick just said, uh-huh. trade. they're going to trade Nico. All right, fine. He says they're going to trade Lopez. Right, and probably Holiday. And probably think. Holiday. And they got so much confidence, they will still win. Now, I don't know what he meant by win yeah. over 500. That would be technically winning. Let's go to the phones. Vote right now at ESPN 1000 uh, for our Twitter poll this half hour. John Paxson should, A or B, stick to the tank plan or B, scrap the tank plan. Fred from Bartlett's first in line, three three two three seven seven six. Hey, Fred. Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing Great well, to talk Fred. To you this morning. Hey, uh, interesting tidbit from Casey Johnson in the Tribune today about Nico's contract. Yep. He has a no trade. If there, if if uh, it, but it, 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 the no trade is waived. If the Bulls pick up the team option, so they have a team option on the second year at twelve million a year, and the way he's playing, any team would want to pick up that second year option. Got it right so, here, Fred. In fact, stand the line. Got it right here. Uh, the way uh, uh, Johnson phrases it, this 
could or should uh, make Nico even easier to trade because the Bulls would have different options to offer another team. Do you want us to uh, sign him now, you know, pick up the second year, uh, or do you not? You know, so it's more options and uh, more maneuverability for Pax to move him, right? I agree, yes, 100% true. But I just want to throw this out. If he stays on this team, I think it's entirely possible that Nico will be number one in six-man-in-the-year votes, and Bobby Portis could theoretically or potentially be number two. Can you imagine that story? Six-man-of-the-year, number one and number two are both Bulls, who knocked the obviously one of them sent the other uh, – to the hospital to start off the season. What an incredible year. They should do it 30 for 30 on this team. <laughs> hey, before we let you go, Fred, and by the way, the Bulls' second string or second team, however you like to call it, uh, Kendall Gill said uh, one game ago on Wednesday, the Knicks game, he said, is his best second string, second team in the NBA. It's fun to watch that second team. Once they don't have these guys, if they do move Nico, and if Lopez is gone, then you got to uh, move Portis to the start. All of a sudden, your second string is not there anymore. And that's how they've been winning or coming back or holding the lead in all these games. How do you vote, Fred, on our Twitter poll, my friend? John Paxson should stick to the plan or scrap the plans. Boy, I, I, this is tough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote. Let's make the miracle. Let's keep the team together yeah. and go for it all. There you I'm go. On, I'm on board. <laughs> Thanks, Fred. Yeah. Thanks, Fred. Stay, Stay warm. Stay warm, buddy, Fred. Yeah, you know what? And, and it <laughs> seems like, I mean, and, mm-hmm. you know, all the smart people will tell you, and they're the smart ones. They'll just tell you that they're the smart ones. The smart ones will tell you that the only way you can get ahead is by tanking. Philadelphia's done it for years, and right now I'm looking at the standings, mm-hmm. and the Bulls are... Uh, Two and a half games behind Philadelphia. Okay, Philadelphia has been tanking for like four years. It takes a long time to get good. If you've got something in there that's working, I say you stick with it. Um, I understand trading Lopez. I understand wanting to go for the higher draft pick and giving yourself every opportunity. But at this point, you'd almost have to go on a huge, huge losing streak and uh, think that teams like Memphis and Atlanta and Dallas and uh, the Lakers would start winning some games. There's not a really good possibility there. So it gets to the point where what are you going to do? If you're going to be middle again and you're not going to get um, that high draft pick, the guy that you think you wanted, the guy from, uh, you know, Bagley or Doncic, you're not going to get one of those guys, then you know what? You might as well just go for it and keep them. But I would, I still think, and I agree with Nick, I still think they're going to move Lopez. I think they're going to move Miritich. Um, when he said they'll continue winning, they won't win at the same level. But I think they'll continue winning because they got some good young players. You know, speaking of Lopez. And wait till Levine comes in. Right. That's what happens, too, when you just mentioned it. Um, Miritich, right. Well, Miritich goes, Lopez goes, okay? Well, you move Levine in. So you're really only trying to cover for one guy because you figure Levine's going to do as well, probably, as one, if if not both of those guys. Well, Portis uh, will be the stretch five. He's going to have to be. Right, right. Now, here's where it gets interesting. In my opinion, Fred, you think tanking is a sort of hot topic this week? You uh-huh. know, it was the main thing almost every show. We're talking about it. Uh, you know, I'm, I have the anti-tanking uh, uh, feeling. The uh, last five months we've been talking about it because of the Bears. Well, by, I'm sorry, the Bulls. <laughs> no, 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 I is, know. Oh, no. But the whole concept well, we've been talking about. Well, how about four years, five years under yeah, Ricketts? Yeah. It was only three years, Murph. No, it wasn't. I get tired of people saying that the Cubs weren't tanking. The Cubs weren't trying to lose. Of course they were. Yeah, they were. They, the players weren't trying to lose. The players never try to lose. No, no, no. 
Management, management yeah. does it. So here's the thing that people forget on the north side, that Ricketts was here for two years before Theo got here. So Ricketts tanked for two years and then Theo for three. So they tanked for five years. People, oh, no, no, Theo, they only tanked for three years. Now, with the Bulls, you think this is a hot topic now. The Bulls' attendance, they were sold out last night. They had about 250 standing room only. Wednesday this week, I'll pull the numbers out uh, in a minute. Wednesday this week, if you recall last Saturday, we were talking about how the Bulls had a new promotion about two weeks ago, TV commercials during the games. Right. That, you know, $5 Wednesday. Come to the games on Wednesday, and you get the hot dog $5, a beer $5, a big soda pop $5, uh, the foam finger were number one five dollars. Pizza, a slice of pizza, because they weren't drawn, and they knew Wednesdays coming up were going to be bad. All right. All of a sudden, the Bulls start winning. They were twenty five hundred under twenty five hundred seats were not sold. Two full Wednesdays ago, or uh-huh. three. Then two Wednesdays ago, uh, they had uh, gotten closer to the break even. In other words, almost a sellout. Now they sold out Wednesday. They're selling out again. So. How how would you like to be Hawk uh, Auto? Or they do Blackhawks, so they're not doing uh, Bulls. Okay. Let's say you're a big auto dealer. Or anybody. You're, you're a sponsor on TV. And you got your spots. They're running on the Bulls. You took a little gamble. The sales guy from the TV said, well, you know what? Uh, here's your rate for this year. You know, okay, I'll take it. I, you know, they may not be. They're going to tank. Now, all of a sudden, the Bulls are winning, right? Right. And guess what? TV ratings, I'm sure, don't have it in front of me. How could they not? TV ratings are going up, right? Yeah, you would think as each game goes on. How could they not? All right, I'll assume, okay? And I don't think it'll make an ass out of me. I'll assume they're going up. Now, all of a sudden, you know what? All of a sudden now, you're a sponsor. This is great. I'm winning. I'm getting 10, 20% more viewers, eyeballs watching my commercials. Right. Now they keep winning. Eight out of 10, eight out of 10. Now... You're getting 20, 30 more percent people than you thought you're going to get watching your commercial. You bought your ticket. You're going to the game. Now all of a sudden they go, hey, we're pulling the plug. We're tanking. Right there. You know, on you, sponsors. On you, all you fans. I know it's part of the jeopardy yeah. when you buy a ticket, but the sponsors. There's the yeah, money. The sponsors knew going in well, that the Bulls were going to tank. No, I know. But right. all of a sudden, I know I said that. Yeah, no, no, I know. I said but, all of a sudden, though, things are going good. Yeah, you can't guarantee wins or losses when you sponsor a team. Say, I know that. Yeah. I'm just saying, are you going to be happy? Oh, man, look at all these people who are watching my spots. Uh, not anymore. Okay. It was a couple months. All right. You're right. You go in. Yeah. You go in with your eyes wide open. It's a gamble sure. advertising. You never know how, how the fans are going to watch. Or the Everything is. Do- when, uh, when, when, they, when Derek Rose was with the team and uh, people got on sponsorship on board and all of a sudden Derek Rose got hurt. I know. You know. It happens. You got, it's a gamble. Hey, let's talk when we return about the uh, white flag trade a little bit. This was many, I many years ago. I had to go back ago. and re- refresh myself yeah, on okay. it. Yeah. Many years ago, uh, the White Sox were three, three and a half games back in August, and they traded away two or three of their uh, front-line uh, pitchers, I believe they all were, for the future. And the White Sox fans, most of them, were not very happy. Uh-huh. Now, this is still a Jerry Reinsdorf operation. Sure, Michael's probably involved. But do you think they have to ask Jerry now? All right, Jerry, we're going we're gonna to orchestrate now at the plan. The plan is, well, wait a minute now. Things are going pretty good. But, Jerry, you said we could pull the plug and unload everybody in tank. Hold on. All of a sudden now, 
The 8 out of 10s, you roll up a few of those in a row? We'll find out. Back in the flesh, we'll have Mike McGraw join us, Bulls Guy Daily Herald at 10. And uh, hey, it's Daily Herald Day. It's the Daily Double. We'll also have uh, our good buddy uh, Bruce Miles, Cubs Guy. He'll call us in around the 11 o'clock. Our last chance to vote right now. John Paxson should A, stick to the tank plan B, scrap the tank plan. And back to your calls, 332-3776, Murph and Fred at ESPN 1000. Throw another log on the fire and uh, stay inside if you can. A little nasty, but like Fred says, it's Chicago, darn it. Don't worry about it. The one thing I realized, too, is just because you have a fireplace in your house, it doesn't really make it warmer in the house. Unless you're right next to it. Yeah, unless you're right next to it. Oh, yeah. So there's times my wife goes, it's chilly. Let's put a fire in there. Well, it looks really nice, but it's all going up. All the smoke's going up and out. It's not really coming into the house. And if it is... You better check it because the flu's not open. I slide the lazy boy about two feet in front of the uh, yeah the old gas uh, fireplace. The only way it works for you, <laughs> really, is that, is that sweet. You would think you see the big fire. Oh, it's going to be nice and toasty. Nah, not really. I a little tiny you know thermometer humidistat thing. I you know yeah. sometimes you move it around to see how things are doing in the house. So you turn on the fireplace and it. Uh, it moves the uh, the living room up about four or five degrees uh, in the middle, but then you put the uh, thermostat about two feet in front of the fireplace. Yeah, one hundred and seventeen. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, nice and toasty. <laughs> three three two three seven seven six. Murph and Fred, Mike McGraw, Bulls guy, top of the hour, and staying at the Daily Hill, Bruce Miles, Cubs guy, said he'll give us a call around eleven o'clock. Let's bring in a uh, Big Sean. What were the results, Big Sean, of our first? half hour Twitter poll John Paxson should stick to the tank plan or scrap the tank plan uh, what the fans say Sean I don't think the Bulls recent play has moved the needle for the fans this morning <laughs> 70% of the fans say that the Bulls should stick John Paxson should definitely stick to the tanking plan very good 70 let me Mark that down. 70%. 70, 30. I like see? To mark that you down. You sound so disappointed, Fred. Well, they all want, no, <laughs> see, they all want, to, and I understand what they want. It's just that the players, you can't, you know, as long as the players are out there, they're going to try and win, and right now they're having fun. It's fun to watch. Even Sylvie and Friedel and everybody has been saying how much fun it is to watch. Um, the only way that, the I don't think at this point, even getting rid of Nico and, um, and Robin Lopez is going to make it so you get to where you want to be. I don't think there would be anything worse than moving those two guys and then not getting to the number four position. Nick because Friedel that's where so. we get the most balls. Nick, it doesn't Nick, make sense. That's what Nick Friedel said. We played the soundbite earlier. He says, Nico Lopez, definitely gone. Holiday, probably. But... I believe with their enthusiasm and their confidence, etc., I believe they will still win. Here's what this proves, <laughs> and I try, I try to explain this to some other NBA people. Uh-huh. And I don't know the NBA nearly as well as Jay Hood does and some of the other people, and Nick, obviously. But other than about four teams in the East and four teams in the West, everybody else is in the middle. It may be three in the East and five in the West. But otherwise, everybody's in the middle. So what's that mean? There's a lot of bad teams in the NBA. So that's why, even if the Bulls are trying to tank, the other teams are not very good either. Well, like, they wouldn't mind being what a top four pick. I remember saying once, sort of, uh, you know, tongue in cheek, wouldn't it be, uh, when will it occur that 26 of the NBA 30 teams will all one year in the offseason? Hey, we're tanking. 
Well, what happens when 26 of the 30 teams all tank? Does that commissioner... Right now, you might have 22 of them doing it. Does the commissioner think this is a good idea? No. 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 Right now, you might have 22 of the teams doing it. And again, before we bring in uh, a Big Sean here with our uh, 930 poll, I'll, I'll say it again. This is smart for teams to do. They're playing nice in the sandbox. They're playing within the rules. They're playing within uh. the rules. So the problem is not attempting to tank. The problem is rewarding tanking. And I don't want to, you know, oh, Murphy, doing it again. So just to remind everybody, the problem is the structure of the dispersion, to dispersal rather, of college or players to the NBA and all sports with the draft in inverse order, rewarding failure. That's the problem. That's when the commissioner, when 26 NBA teams in the offseason all uh, put up the trial balloon and tell the sponsors, tell the, the ticket uh, purchasing the public, the fans, well, we're going to tank this year. And the commissioner says, 26 teams are tanking? All right, new deal. If you don't make the playoffs, you get one ping pong ball. 12 teams, uh, well, how many teams? 16 teams make the playoffs. Right. So that means 14, don't. 14 each yep. get one ping pong ball and uh, determine, you know, by luck, uh, where, where you draft. You might have the worst record and you still draft 14th. Let's bring in uh, Big Sean uh, for the uh, next uh, Twitter poll is, how often does tanking work? A, B, C, or D. Most of the time, some of the time, very rarely, and only for the Cubs and the Astros does uh -huh. it work. So vote right now, or three three two three seven seven six. How often does tanking actually, uh, you know, pan out and work? Most of the time, some of the time, very rarely. Only seems to work for the Cubs and the Houston Astros in in baseball. Uh, Sean Davis, I know you did a little uh, thinking about this uh, yesterday and today. Uh, what, what was your general uh, conclusion on this type of question, Sean? Well, when it comes to the NBA, there were only seven players. After the 1985 institution of the draft, where Patrick Ewing was the first guy to be drafted, um, seven players that were drafted number one overall led their teams to a title. Seven, or have have even won a championship. Number one picks, you yeah. said, right? Glenn Big Dog Robinson was the number one pick, uh -huh. but he won that as a role player with the San Antonio Spurs. Wow. So what we have here, let's take example example the 11 years between Tim Duncan, Shaq, and LeBron James. It shows us that between a five- to six-year stint, those are the only times where tanking for a number one pick is worth it, where you have those type of players, those generational type of players that are there at number one. Right. If you have a Tim Duncan or a LeBron James or a Shaq, and are usually five to six years before those type of players come up <laughs> in an NBA draft, then it's worth tanking for. Right. Other than that, that number one pick is a crapshoot. Well, you know, and, and that's what makes this interesting, because if you ask enough people, they'll all give you different options for who the best guy is to pick in the draft. So by what Sean is saying is nobody knows for sure. They say it could be Bagley. It could be this guy, Aiton. It could be Doncic. It could be Michael Porter, who's in injured. If you don't have one single set guy, well, then don't worry about it. You pick whoever's left, whoever's available. I understand people want it, but, you know, there would be nothing worse than tanking, getting the number one pick, <laughs> and then continuing to lose because the guy wasn't what you thought he could be. So, Big Sean, in other words, until LeBron uh, retires, uh, we don't have no one why bother doing anything. You know, 
Well, nobody I mean, else has a chance. You tank, I think LeBron. Try. LeBron was one of those guys that you pretty much saw in high school and said, "Yeah, he's going oh, yeah. to be. He's going to be darn good." Shaq was the same way. Tim Duncan that stayed four years at Wake Forest. You thought he would have an impact. San Antonio definitely tanked to match him with David Robinson, so they had a plan. Well, suck for luck with the Indianapolis Colts. Remember that? Yeah. Bumper yep. sticker 10 Absolutely. years ago. So how many years does uh, Le- LeBron have where he's still going to, you know, dominate? Without injury? Well, I've heard people say five to six years. So, no- so nothing matters for five I or mean, six years anyway? Statistically, this is the best year. His skill set is getting better. It is. He might be slowing down physically just a tad, but his skill set on the court is getting better. Now, fellas, was, was there talk that he might... Where's he going to end up next year? Too doesn't he want to get out west? And someone said the Lakers could end up with the Lakers. All right, you never know. So Cleveland then, will have a top ten pick this year, though. See, that's that's another thing. They'll have a who's top pick ten do they pick. Have? Right now, they're slotted in the seventh uh, pick. That's from the Nets, I believe. Oh, okay, a deal with yeah. them. Yeah, via okay. via Boston, I'm sure. Okay, Thank, hey, great job, Sean. Thanks. Three three two three seven seven six. Now. Remember Freddie Hoyball uh-huh. we used to hear about? Did you see this little note a couple of days ago? Uh, this, I believe, from the uh, Tribune. Hoiberg's pace and space offensive philosophy. Well, it's been missing in action for most of his tenure here. But the Bulls are now showing progress. All right. This was prior to last night's game. When the Bulls dropped to 3-20, and 20, we all remember that, they ranked 23rd out of 30 in pace and they have a statistic mm-hmm. they are able to uh, compute pace right. pace of play at 98.3 possessions per 48 minutes okay so obviously they had the ball 98 times in 48 minutes and that computed out to 23rd place in the NBA now after that uh, those first 23 games that's when uh, uh, Nico finally came, came back. back as you mentioned Nawaba was starting to fill right. in more Portis was uh, gearing up after those first eight days. So, following the 3-20 and 20 when they were 23rd, right? Over the next 11 games, the 9-2 stretch, they ranked second in the NBA. Yep. Second behind the Lakers, uh, 102 possessions per 48. See, this is... They are now 12th yeah. overall, averaging it out. See, this is the kind of team that Freddie Hoiberg came here and yeah. was told he would get. Uh-huh. You get a bunch of young guys, you got up and down the floor... Would shoot threes, and he never had that, and that's why you know said, "Well, he can't coach in the NBA." Well, we didn't know that because he never <laughs> was given his players. Right now, he's doing a pretty damn good job. So you know, you know, you, you can never never know. Uh, some people say, "Well, this, this, and that," and last minute the decisions. Well, he they they seem to be playing their tails off for Fred Hoiberg right now, and uh, he's doing pretty well and having a good time. Going to cover a lot more between now and noon. Cub fans, stick around. In the 11 o'clock hour, Bruce Miles will check in from the Daily Herald, their Cubs guy. Also, uh, we'll get back on the Bulls beat in a few minutes. Mike uh, McGraw over at the Daily Herald. Uh, let's spray to all fields in our next segment. Phil got plenty to cover some Bears talk, some White Sox talk, and uh, Blackhawks uh, win a gate, a guy that guards our front door right. here, a guard at the door yep. here at State and uh, Lake. Great guy. Big, big Blackhawks fan. Blackhawks, an exciting overtime win. Yeah, Pat- they only went to overtime because Duncan Keith made the, one of the dumbest moves I've ever seen. Patrick Kane got the uh, game Jeez. winner 50 seconds into OT. Steve Conroy did everything he could say other than to say, 
Duncan Keith screwed it up. The cat uh, got another goal. Oh, how about the uh, rookie, 32-year-old, making his debut between yep. the pipes last night, Jeff Glass. Uh-huh. A 32-year-old a journeyman. Been he's, in Russia and all over the place. Been, he's been oh. everywhere. And uh, uh, he was lights out. Didn't give up till uh, near the end uh, uh, two goals. And uh, One of them to blame on Duncan Keith. Right. And I'll continue to say that. For I, I still... He has fallen faster than the than most rocks of most uh, icicles off buildings down here. Sorry, dropped faster than the temperature is going to drop today. Oh my god! So I'm walking in, say hi to our guy, the guard at the gate, big Blackhawk fan. I said, "Hey, finally, great game last night, Patrick Kane. Nice moves uh, for the winner." You didn't watch it. Yeah. I go, what? It's on too late. No, well, no, that's not reason. I was so upset with the with the loss the night the before. Night before, yeah. Didn't watch it. Yeah. <sighs> now they, they play Calgary tomorrow, I think it is. So. Last chance to vote right now. Murph and Fred back in a flash vote. Uh, how does uh, tanking uh, usually work out? Does it work out A, most of the time, yes. Some of the time, very rarely, or only when Theo and the Astros are involved. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Welcome back. Mike Murphy, Fred Huebner, 9 till noon. A couple of quick items. Oh, we were just talking hockey. Fred, I uh, eavesdropped on you, filling in, doing a great job. Monday. It was Christmas yes, Day. Yes, that was it. Yep. Monday at uh, 1121. And uh, uh, our buddy Mark Lazarus, uh, yep. hockey uh, guy, man of Sun-Times. town, Sun-Times was on. And, you know, entertaining. You guys sprayed all fields, covered all the bases. But uh, you flipped over to the uh, the hockey, uh, do the hockey. Let's let's uh, do that hockey. Is that that phrase? Let's, I think so. <laughs> whatever. And so you did that hockey, and he threw a little nugget in there. You know, over time, you think, oh, I've heard about everything. I've heard this or that. I had never heard, well, I never heard this. And to bring it, that's the amazing thing about him. He's not that fast. Uh, he's not it. shifty like Patrick Kane, and he's not fast like a Brandon Saad. He's just really crafty. He always knows where the puck's going to be. He's like a rebounder in the NBA where he knows when a shot comes off a guy's sure. stick, he knows where that rebound's going to be, and he's in the right spot, and he's got such a quick release, he gets rid of the puck so fast. Yeah, you know what he does, too? He had a pass, I want to say it's... Was about a week or so ago, maybe four or five games ago, a pass from behind the net where you found this guy. I don't know how he saw him. Have no idea how he came behind the net and found a guy that was on the other side of the of the crease and perfect pass. I'm going. There's no way he saw this guy. And then you go back and you see the replay. And as he was going behind the net, he did a quick little glance. Sometimes they look in the glass actually look for a reflection. Some guys do that. Patrick Kane's been known to do that. Hold on, now. I thought I knew, you know, most yep. of the nuances, this and that. Yep. Did that catch you by off guard? Yeah. Had you ever heard that? No, I, I, I never heard that before. I know that in football, uh-huh. when they're running for an end, a touchdown, they look up at the jumbo trying to see if anyone's gaining on them. Right. But I didn't know that they can look in the glass sometimes to see where the other players are and maybe make a pass that way, maybe a, yeah. a drop pass or something like that. That was pretty amazing. Patrick Kane 
you know, claims. I'm sure he does. He sees the reflection in the glass. I don't know if it's only for the opposition coming at him or there's no opposition behind me so I can throw it behind me. Or maybe does he really even sees his own guy, his own uniform coming up and there's no enemy around. I'm just going to flip it back because I see the reflection. I would think it would be easier when you're wearing the dark colored uniforms. I think when you're wearing the white uniforms (laughs) with the back, with the ice background, I think it would be more difficult to see. But yeah, it it was pretty interesting. And uh, last night he scored a, he scored a great goal late, got the win for the kid, Jeff Glass. Beautiful. also pulled uh, Duncan Keith out of the fire for giving up the goal. <laughs> I'm going to keep harping on that because I think Duncan Keith over the last couple of years has had some really bad seasons. So I heard a couple of rumbles from aggravate Hawks people fans. today, uh, and not to, over the last few days, that Jake Arietta, the door might be opening again uh-huh. between Clark and Addison and uh, Mr. Arietta. It uh, it's not that surprising when you think about it. Well, I thought that if it was going if they could possibly get him to four years, it make more sense yeah. to go with him than Darvish. Well, obviously, and now the Yankees apparently are in on Darvish now yeah. too. So uh, obviously, the seven year uh, uh, contract is not coming anywhere uh, no. for Arietta, uh, nor will be most likely the six or the maybe the probably the five. So all of a sudden, uh, the door has reopened, and you always have to wonder now who opens the door, right? Yeah. Was it Theo opening the door, or was it the Arietta and the agent opening the door? My guess is it was Arietta and the agent saying, well, you know what? Maybe we will uh, be, revisit you guys. Uh, why? Well, you said you didn't want Well, you know, we're going to soften a little bit. Yeah. Okay, we're sort of waiting for that revolving door. I changed my mind on that, though, yesterday. I heard you. Yesterday. Uh-huh. When I saw Wade Davis get $52 oh, million, uh-huh. which is which is... More money per year than any reliever. Yeah. The history of the game. He's a little bit over uh, a little bit over Cham- Chapman. Chappy. Yeah. yeah. That, once I saw that money, I said, yeah. well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people are still out there willing to pay money. Because if you pay that much money for a closer, then maybe you, maybe that money is out there for area. Yeah, it's like Chapman with $17 million a year the Yankees gave him multiple yep. years. And uh, that Wade Davis got like 17, 17 five. Yeah, or, yeah, like, yeah, like 100, like 100 grand more. Right. You know. You know those uh, how competitive those closers are. Uh-huh. So the Cubs are still. Uh, it's probably well. It's obviously just down to about four right now. Starting pitcher would be uh, Archer, Chris Archer, Tampa Bay, Arietta, Darvish, and uh, Cobb down at uh, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, uh, Miami rather. I'm sorry. No wait. No, uh, Tampa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, right. see, but but Archer's a, Archer would have to be a trade. Well, Archer, you got to give up. Right. You got to do something up. They don't for have anything to give up. Yeah. So. I would say right now... Well, they do. They just don't want to. Well, they, they really don't. <laughs> well, they have some things to give up, but they just don't want to give up. Well, they, can, they, don't yeah. want to get, they don't want to give up a Schwarber or an Almora or a Hap or anything. Well, None they, of the Cub fans, everybody loves their be, players. Because there's, they can't replace them is what I meant. Yeah. They don't have anybody in the system internally uh-huh. to replace... If, if you're going to move a uh, Russell for a pair, who plays short? I know. Okay, yeah, Baez, Baez, sure. I know. Then Zobrist and Hap and second. And second, But then right. you got one less player... Overall, of your position players, then you have no bench. Don't you still have Tommy Listella? Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> He's actually going to be the bubble boy again, depending uh-huh. if they go with seven or eight. Yeah. If they go with seven or eight uh, relievers, uh, 12 or 13 pitchers, then the Cubs would uh, have to figure out what to do with 
probably the John Jay guy who right. they haven't replaced. Mm -hmm. So say they replaced the John Jay guy. There's talk also that they're still sniffing around uh, Lorenzo Kane, 30, 31 year old center fielder from the uh, Royals, terrific ball player, uh, getting a little older. He's right. a speed guy along with other great attributes. I mean, terrific center fielder, but he's going to want, what, you know, 10 times 3 at age, what, 31. So, you know, you're That's a bargain nowadays. You're probably gonna, 10 absolutely. times 3. You're probably going to look for a, you know, a, a one-year uh, guy, uh, like a John Jay guy. Uh-huh. But you don't have room for the John Jay guy and the Listella guy. Uh, now that you got half full-time who wasn't there and injuries, it's sort of a, a chess game moving a checker game moving everybody around yep. so uh we'll get back to some cubs talk at 11 when we get a call from mark uh, mike mcgraw over at the daily herald uh back on the bulls beat and uh, we'll get the results right uh, now oh, let's wait till we come back last chance to vote how often does tanking work most of the time some of the time very rarely or only for the cubs and the astros Vote right now. Murph and Fred till noon at Vote at ESPN 1000. Wow, wow. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. Hey. Welcome back. Hour number two, the Wooly Bullies. Bullies are the topic. One minute away from Mike McGraw at the Daily Herald. Hey, Fred, let's bring in... Big Sean, Big Bad Sean, what do fans have to say on our 9.30 Twitter poll, which was, hey, how often does tanking even work out anyway? A, most of the time. B, some of the time. C, very rarely. D, only if Theo or the uh, Houston Astros are involved. What do the fans say? 12% of the fans said most of the time. 12% most 12 of the time most it works out. All okay. right, that's okay. Good, all right. 14% only for Cubs and Astros. <laughs> all right. 30% very rarely. Hmm. And leading the way, 44% say some of the time. Some of the time. Mm -hmm. All right. Our 10 o'clock uh, Twitter poll, if you'd like to vote right now at ESPN 1000. If Nico and Portis had not missed those games early... 23 games for Nico, 8 games for Portis. If Nico and Bobby Portis had not missed those games early, ABCD, the Bulls would have uh, had a much better record. The Bulls would have had a slightly better record. Um, Bulls would have basically had the same record. Or D, now they would have had a worse record. So vote right now at ESPN 1000. Let's go to the Daily Herald, Northwest Suburbs. Nice and warm up there, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe a degree or two. <laughs> Mike McGraw's One way or another. Joined Murph and Fred for over the many, many years. Nice uh, enough of Mike to uh, throw a little of his personal time in so you can hear some of his Bulls expertise and check it out at, at Daily Herald. Uh, Murph and Fred, morning, uh, Michael. Good morning. Oh, good morning to you guys. How are you? Doing... My car says four degrees, so maybe that's warmer than where it is downtown. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, uh... Yeah, not not too much warmer, Mike. I, I the very your very first line of your article today with the tank parked in the garage for now. Nice, nice. Uh, is it parked until the uh, Bulls organization decides to move somebody? Well, it's well. That's that's you could. It's I guess it's easy to think that they 
that's a possibility. But then when you, you know, like really, what could they do to guarantee that uh, that they could, you know, make this worse? You know, on the one hand, you could trade. You know, people talking about trading Heritage, but you know he's playing so well. I certainly wouldn't uh, be anxious to do that right now. <clears throat> you could trade Robin Lopez. I don't know if he's going to. Um, cause you to lose more games because he, you know, he's been good, but he's, uh, you know, he doesn't play in the fourth quarter most of the time. And then you got Zach Levine coming back. What are you going to do? Like, put him on the shelf uh, <laughs> for the rest of the season when he's when he's uh, you know raring to go right now. So yeah, it's it's going to be hard to pull the plug. Plus, you've got so many young guys playing key roles. You know, I remember my first year on the beat, ninety nine two thousand. They just they started winning a few games. They traded Tony Kukoc and guaranteed that they'd stink and. Uh, <laughs> That's not, I don't think that's possible with this team. Yeah, they do have a lot, a lot going for them right now. Well, let's let's look at the uh, when when Levine comes back, Mike Fred. When Levine comes back, here's what I have penciled in as the second team. Kendall Gill has already said on uh, NBC uh, Sports that the Bulls, his opinion, have the best second string second team in the NBA right now. So when Levine comes back. I have the second team as uh, the guards would be Grant Holiday, and uh, your three men down low. I guess well, it would be obviously Miritich, Portis, and Nawaba. I guess Uh, so. Grant Holiday, Nawaba, Portis, Miritich. That's pretty strong second team, fellas. Mike. Yeah, I think I know. Hoiberg has already talked about uh, wanting to have. Holiday and Levine out there together, so they it might be Denzel Valentine going to the second string, but hmm. you know, you know, it could, either way, okay. it's, it's pretty. I guess the uh, you know there were a lot of surprises in that second team. You know, Bobby Portis took a nice step up, and you know, not a lot of young guys have have uh, done that lately. Uh, you know, Miritich is playing out of his mind. Uh, Nawaba was, you know, Nawaba is playing better than most uh, a lot of lottery picks. I guess that's. That's your consolation is you, uh, you, you found this guy, uh, you know, on the waiver wire last summer and he's contributing more than, you know, a lot of like eight or nine guys who kind of go in the top, the late top 10 sometimes. So, you know, you could say he's there, he's their lottery pick that they uh, didn't have to thank for. So yeah, things are good. Things are working real well. Jaron, Jaron Grant's been playing better mm-hmm. too. It kind of reminds me of, uh, BJ Armstrong a little bit when he's just kind of running the offense in his shots, uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things to like about that second group. Yeah, you, know, you know, Mark, what's going what's going on with Miritich? I mean, this is kind of the guy that the Bulls thought they were originally going to get uh, a guy that can hit the three. I know even Miritich was joking uh, about a week or so ago. Hey, it's not even March and this is happening because uh, that's when he did have a really good year, a really good month about a couple of years ago. But this is the Miritich that everybody thought they'd see—a guy that could distribute the ball, get down low, shoot from threes. What what got into him? I mean, I hate to say Portis knocked some sense into him, but it's got to be something. <laughs> well, what well, well, we know about Miritich is we, we've seen him play like this before. This isn't like, you know, we we haven't seen it, but he would just could never sustain it. And I think it just seems like maybe it's uh, just, uh, you know, the perfect storm of events. You know, he, he spent the summer getting stronger, and that seems to have helped him. He uh, went through free agency, and nobody really wanted him. Maybe that uh, knocked some sense into him, and he missed that time when he was he, – Said he was how excited he was to start the season. Then he had to miss uh, the first, you know, twenty whatever games. 
maybe that just kind of lit a fire under him that he's uh, going to appreciate the, everything he has a little more and maybe uh, having not having uh, the stars here like Butler made him more comfortable knowing that he's going to be the guy that he, he needs, he's the guy who needs to take the big shot. I think it all kind of came together and uh, we have a more much more confident uh, Nico and we've seen we've seen him play at an all-star level for short periods of time but he's gone through what now 12 games and he's only had one clunker so it's uh it, it'll be interesting to see how long he can keep it up we'll get right to the phones if you're on hold we'll get you right up with mike mcgraw bulls guy daily herald the word uh fluke you know people oh, they're, they're 10 and, and 2 you know 10 of the last 12 it's a fluke i was looking back at the first uh 23 games in fact Fellas, I think this is uh, something that, you know, surprised me. Uh, Mike, the Bulls first, they were five, uh, their first six games, they were uh, one win, five losses, all right? Game one, they played Toronto, who was currently 24 and 10. They lost. They didn't have Nico and Portis. So game one, they lose to Toronto, who's now 24 and 10. Game two, they lose San Antonio, 25 and 11 at this moment. Game three, they lose to Cleveland, 24-11 and 11 at this moment. They win game four, Atlanta. Then they lose five and six. They lose Oklahoma City, they're 20-16. and 16. And then they lose at Miami for their uh, fifth loss in the first six games. They're currently 18-17. and 17. It, was, it was a tough schedule. They didn't have uh, Nico. They didn't have Portis. They're getting clobbered, off to a terrible start. The fans, the media, everybody, uh, it's one in five. They're you know, off to a terrible start. Or a good start if you're tanking. Well, if you're tanking, Fred. Right. But did this all sort of sneak up on everybody from a seasoned professional like yourself who's been covering basketball for so long, fans who've been watching the Bulls and loving the Bulls, fans that are just armchair regular fans, they watch a game now and then, or studious everyday fans that know everything about the Bulls. How did this all creep up on everybody, or, or did it not creep up on, on everybody, Mike? Well, the simple answer is probably, uh, you know, the biggest thing I think was Chris Dunn. Finally, you know, once he got some playing time, he stayed, he figured it out. He, like, flipped the switch and became went from, you know, draft bust to very good NBA starting point guard pretty much overnight. It was like the Phoenix home game at the end of November. He's been really good since then. He's been hitting shots late. He's been finishing games, running the show, getting assists, not turning it over. That I think he's been the MVP of the surge. Hmm. Then getting Miritich back, who a guy who's been averaging 20 points and he, since he came back, they gave him another uh, boost of offense. And they also were missing uh, Nawaba for a month. And he's a guy who really, uh, you know, good energy guy, defensive. Uh, they always play well, you know, and they're then they're do better in their plus minus when he's on the floor. So I, and I think you saw you saw them start to get a little better. When they started losing all those close games, they lost by one in Denver. They lost uh, they had that collapse at Indiana in uh, mid-December, early December. They had lost a one-pointer to the Kings at home. So you saw them get a little better than when Miritich came back. He just kind of put them over the top. And I, I would say the encouraging thing is they've won games on the road. They won twice in Milwaukee, who's beaten a lot of people this season. They won. They um, they almost won in uh, Cleveland that one time. And then... Uh, 
and they're they're pulling out some tough games. They're losing uh, in the fourth quarter against Philadelphia. Came back and won. They won without Dunn last night. They won with they beat the Knicks with uh, you know Meritich having an off night. So there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of signs that make you think that this might be able to continue for a while. Let's let a quick call in. Uh, Bob from uh, Park Ridge. Is that you, Bob? That's me. Jump in. Talking Bulls, Mike McGraw, Daily Hill. Go. Uh, here, here's my deal, Bob. There's a couple guys recently, like Boogie Cousins and Bledsoe, who weren't a fit where they were, and they got moved. At this stage, with everything going on, everybody playing pretty well, uh, Levine's not even back yet. I, I think what they need to do is go to somebody, and hear me out on this one, Anthony Davis is uh, not really happy with the management down in New Orleans. Why wouldn't you take this number one pick, throw maybe Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis at New Orleans, and bring the hometown kid back here, or somebody like that, a star type, and now you have four solid pieces you have a pretty good group of guys coming off the bench now as it is. That would ultimately lure another good player to say, hey, I want in on this. They got marketing. They got uh, Anthony Davis. They have uh, Dunn and uh, Levine. And now you're not gambling on whoever you might get if they stay the course with the draft. Yeah, like, like I think you guys said earlier, you never know if one of these kids is going to pan out or not. So I think, and like I said, I'm not just singling out Anthony Davis, but you know, we've seen some pretty good players get moved, and not because of uh, you know expiring contracts or whatever. And you know, jumpstart this thing because right now yeah. it's looking pretty darn good. Good stuff, Bob. Thanks a lot. Let you uh, listen. Uh, what would be a good strategy uh, in your mind? Something like that, or uh, what might they do? Do you do you guess? Uh, well, they might be at the point where they have enough good young pieces to maybe flip them for a. An established star, you know, Anthony Davis would be, sounds great in theory. He signed long term in New Orleans, so they're not going to be anxious to get rid of him. And they're, uh, right now they're in position to make the playoffs, so they've shown a little bit of progress. So that, that would be a tough one to get, plus he's, you know, he's going to be making that super max deal, so it's, uh, you know, it would, it would take a lot to bring him up here at this point. You know, it's, uh, it's going to be tough because, you know, they really wanted to get younger. They wanted to build a young nucleus, and there aren't a lot of teams that are going to want to give up on their bright young stars. So, yes, it would be to find the in theory that's something they could do, uh, but uh, in reality, it's probably going to be tough to find uh, you know an ideal fit that's going to work, make sense for both teams. Hey, and Mike, isn't the whole isn't all a tanking all about getting developing your own young guys and then just going on out and signing a free agent? I don't think they're I think the last thing Pax and Gar are looking to do is is develop some of these kids and then move them. Well, it depends. You know, if they have, if they have you know more than enough, then you can move somebody. If uh, you know, I, I don't think they're looking to trade Lori Marketing or anything, but uh, you know, it's. It's it's risky to, to build through the draft as we've all seen. Even Philadelphia is as good as they've looked. You know, Embiid has had his injury problems. They had some big misses with Okafor and Nerlens Noel, and now Holtz is hurt. So there's no guarantees at the top of the draft these days. Hey, before we uh, uh, spring, yeah, let's bring in 
uh, Big Sean. Sean, what do the fans have to say on our uh, Twitter poll for uh, this half hour? If Nico and Portis had not missed those combined 31 games uh, at the beginning of the season, uh, well, the Bulls would have had a much better record, a little bit better record, uh, basically the same record or a worse record. What was the winner there? 42% of the fans say the Bulls would definitely have a better record. A much better record or a slightly much be- better record? Really? Yeah, 42%. A much better record. Yeah. I agree. Mike, is this team better than people think? Let me rephrase it. Here, we'll let, we'll, we'll, as, the, as the Bulls music plays in the background, if the Bulls would do nothing the rest, uh, no trades, nothing the rest of the way, Levine comes back and they do nothing. Is this a eighth place team? Is this a playoff team? And you're... I guess, in your estimation, if they do nothing, no backing up the truck, no big trades. All right, well, you know, let's see what happens. Play it out. Let the chips fall where they may. Is this right now a playoff uh, top eight uh, teams in the East? Uh, Well, I I don't know if I'd say it is. It could be. Mm -hmm. You know, the example I have in my history was that 0405 season where under Scott Skiles, they started out uh, 0-9 and then 4-15, and and you know, it just started to gradually click together, and they not only made the playoffs, they got first uh, home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. And then there's a lot, that was a very young team, had four rookies uh, in the rotation. So there's a lot of similarities, in my mind, from for this team to that team. And you've also seen some teams that look good for a while, and they, and they fall apart, like... Uh, Vinny Del Negro's second team, they set an NBA record with five straight wins over uh, road wins over teams with uh, winning records. Mm-hmm. And then a month later, they lost 10 in a row. So, sure. you know, injuries can happen, can really knock you off. Uh, nobody's really sure what's going to happen when Levine starts playing. Maybe they may look great. They might may mess up the chemistry a little bit. Um but it's going to be interesting to see. They could have a really exciting team when you you think about how athletic Levine is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the, what the Bulls have built is they have a tough team to guard right now. But they've got three different big men. They can start out going in the low post with uh, Robin Lopez, and then they can bring in, you know, some combination of Markin and Miritich and Portis. <laughs> and they've got big guys who can shoot from the outside and drop down and, and score in the post. The teams are having a hard time guarding that. If this is the new wave of the future, if this is this great innovation that, uh, uh, you know, could carry on for the rest of the season, or our team's going to figure it out eventually and and find a way to stop it. That's, uh, you know, that's a big question right now. Very, very interesting. It's going to be the, uh, the hot stove uh, basketball uh, winter here for the Bulls, whether they're going to make the big moves or not. Everyone says they will, but it's just fun to think that, well, you know, it's a playoff team, very possibly, if they don't do anything. Hey, stay warm. Great catching up with you. We always appreciate your personal time from the Daily Herald. Mike McGraw, thanks a million. Happy New Year, Mike. Thanks, Mike. All right, same to you. Thanks. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. You know, I, I look at the teams that are in seventh, sixth, seventh, and eighth yeah. in the uh, East. Washington is a team that you keep waiting for them to do something else. Indiana, we saw yesterday. I know they didn't have Oladipo and Miami. I mean, those two teams don't scare me much. Um, if if when Zach Levine comes and the Bulls didn't do anything, 
they would be, I think they would be a six, seven, or eight. Sure. But that gets in, you, you get into the same problem. Basketball that doesn't help you. Hell, basketball. Hell. Right. It doesn't help you. You're in the middle <laughs> right now. And you don't want to be in the middle. You want to get, you want to be better than that. And, uh, you won't be able to get one of the high drop draft picks. And, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to grow. And there's nothing worse than being in the middle. That's what they say. That's what they say. I, I, we ran out of time. Mr. McGraw overextended even as long as he, you know, we asked him to be on and he's busy. It's a you know, busy Saturday. He's got a personal life, so I didn't want to hold him. But I was going to ask him, is there any chance that uh, Michael and Jerry Reinsdorf step in eventually and say, hey, you know what? I sort of like the way this is going. The buzz is here. It's percolating. The ratings are up. Uh, we got the full house again. Let's just sit back. And like, uh, you know, I heard on the Murph and Fred show, you know, we're a playoff team now. And uh, you just wonder, would they ever say, just let's cool it? Well, see, here's the problem. They already signed off on it, right. I'm well, sure. No, 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 but here's the problem. Yeah. And, and Mike mentioned it, yeah. is that they've already gotten to a point where they're not going to, no matter what they do, they're not going to be one of the worst three teams in the league. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen right now. So it's you're to the point now where you're stuck. Um, you know, you, you played too well, your team's played too well, too quickly, and uh, because of that, it's going to be almost impossible for you to tank. Even if you do get rid of the other guys, the odds of you finishing the bottom three or bottom four are going to be tough. Mm, yeah. Three three two three seven seven six. any of our earlier topics, or if you want to see to the clouds, you can jump in right now. And uh, let's see, let's get our uh, 11 o'clock. Uh, question. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, Fred. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, 10.30. Uh, let's bring that up a little early here. Put it on board, uh, Big Sean. Here's the, here's the, uh, here's the poll, the Twitter question for you. Is John Paxson the front runner right now for the NBA Executive of the Year? All right. Vote now. Is John Paxson the front runner right now for NBA Executive of the Year? We were kicking this one around earlier. Let's bring in uh, uh, big Sean Davis. Sean, you had mentioned, uh, hey, maybe you left Hoiberg out of the mix on this. I said, what? And uh, what was your angle on Hoiberg uh, a few minutes ago on this type of topic? Uh, you know, Pax, vote now. Uh, is he the executive of the year in the NBA, yes or no? What was your angle on Hoiberg? If things continue to trend the way they trend, getting Zach Levine back in the second half, yeah. it's very possible that Fred Hoiberg could be a viable candidate for coach of the year. <laughs> I'm not very, laughing. I'm not laughing. Very, very possible. Now, hold that thought, uh, Sean, Fred. I was reminded the Tribune uh, this week, every day they had some type of year-end, uh, you know, review right. thing. Uh, the saddest things we saw this year, the things that irritated us the most is you're the most amusing, you know, and uh, typical year-end stuff. Well done. All the different writers' names are on the bottom. They all contributed. One of them threw in, and I'd totally maybe forgotten this uh, or missed this, but many months ago, some months ago, Sports Illustrated, did you remember this one? They uh, named uh, Fred Hoiberg worst coach in the NBA. Remember that? Yeah, I didn't see that. I, I didn't. I didn't. I uh, my my subscription ran out. The Sports Illustrated. So thanks to the Tribune for reminding me of that. Fred Hoiberg named worst coach of the year coming up uh, this year projected uh, in the NBA by good old Sports Illustrated. Now Sean said, "Hey, we got to be putting this guy in the mix right now for coach of the year." I got to tell you, and, and you you know me, it's an old story <laughs> with me. But you know, coaches are only as good as your talent. If your talent sucks, you're going to suck as a coach. It's it's the way it is. You you can't win with bad talent, 
and slowly but surely their talent's changing around. They're giving Fred Hoiberg exactly what they said they were going to give him only three years late. And because of that, he's actually shown that he knows how to coach a little bit in this league. Well, and the stat we had earlier, Fred, uh, where the Bulls are, uh, uh, since the winning streak began 12 games ago, they are now second in the league in uh, pace of play, which yeah. they compute. And they had been 23rd in the league in pace of play the first when they were 3 and 20, the first 23 games. So, uh, like you're tying into what you were just saying, Hoy. Hoy ball is uh, finally, uh, <laughs> we're finally seeing what it looks like. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. They told him they were going to get younger and more athletic, and it took him two years to do it after they did something stupid and brought in Dwayne Wade and Rondo. Hey, when we return, going to go to the uh, yellow pad. Got a ton of items here. Fred and I will kick around for you. And uh, Cubs talk at 11 o'clock. Bruce Miles, Daily Herald, said he'll give us a call. Stay warm. Back in a flash. Vote right now. Our Twitter poll for uh, the next half hour is John Paxson, the front runner for NBA. Exe- I don't know why I laugh. Executive of the year. Vote now. Yes or no at ESPN 1000. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN at the 50-yard line, halfway through a three-hour sports gab show. Trying to gab you through your busy Saturday morning. Glad you're with us. 332-3776. We're about a half hour away from some hot stove Cubs talk with the one, the only Bruce Miles over at the uh, Daily Herald. I can't wait. Uh, White's uh, baseball talk is um, for me from the time, the winter meetings all the way till spring training i'm mm-hmm. into that i could talk about that all day long so we did we yesterday we brought something up about the possibility of in a couple of years from now yeah. there being uh expansion in baseball oh, and, I heard that, and yeah. yeah so you know there's a lot of great things to talk about in baseball right now you mm-hmm. see wade davis is gone so you know i i thought there was an outside shot before Brandon Morrow and Steve Ciszek that the Cubs would have been interested, mm. but not at that kind of dollar. Not at seventeen million no. times three. Not at fifty-two for three years. That ain't happening. So <laughs> hey, that's all on the yellow pad. They call me mellow yellow. Well, let's go to the yellow pad and see what we have. All right, we just covered Wade Davis and the Cubs' closer. We'll see if his cur- see how his ball drops in uh, Coors Field. I think he's got one appearance at Coors Field. You know, he's a fly ball pitcher. Even though you don't, you think of strikeout guy, hard thrower, but he's not a ground ball guy. <laughs> I, I believe there goes another one out of Coors Field. I should double check, but I think he was like second or third in uh, baseball and fly balls allowed. Okay, you know? yeah. <laughs> bye bye. That makes it tough. Yeah. Uh, let's see, yellow pad. Here's a couple of Bears notes. Now, this is from Adam Johns earlier in the week. Talking about uh, Adam Shaheen, Bears tight end. 12 catches if he needed to or not. (laughs) The Bears feel good about uh, Shaheen's development. Loggins uh, said he's had a solid year, yada, yada. Most of Shaheen's 12 catches, there you go, Fred, were uh, either uh, contested or diving grabs, two for touchdowns. That's sort of interesting. Let's say that again. 12 catches, uh, most of them were either contested Right. Or they were diving grabs. So, you know, they don't throw to him much, but he seems to grab it when it's near him. Yeah, I'm not. So that's good. I saw that number, and I, and I wasn't really sure where you where he was going on that. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. he's a tight end. He's not going to get wide open a lot. 
Um, right. He what he did catch one touchdown pass that was wide open. He has three for the year, so two of them were contested. The one in the corner most recently, but uh, his first catch, his first touchdown catch was wide open. He came off the line of scrimmage, rolled, and there was no one there. So Adam Johns continues. Now here's where I need your expertise, or uh, Big Sean. The next sentence from uh, Adam Johns says the Bears, talking about uh, Shaheen, still only have six packages in the playbook for him. Now, obviously, it's not much, but what is a six I don't know how, I, packages? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how many. What does that mean? How many does tight end usually have? Are there a hundred plays in each package? No, I'm over exaggerating, right. but. It doesn't mean he only has six plays, but they only have, here, quote, the Bears still only have six packages for him. All of his catches have come when he is a prototypical in-line tight end. Yeah. So he's had no catches where he was anything other than the prototypical in-line tight end. He only has six packages. I like the guy. I've always liked the guy. I know most fans are 50 Bears fans, I think, 50-50 at best on him. He's physical. I see he's a long way away still. I mean, I haven't seen anything to tell me he can't play. Right. But, you know. Well, what he's got to we... figure things out. He's got to learn how to block if he's going to be that kind of tight end. And mm-hmm. uh, Because, right, you know, tight ends need to block, especially with the Bears, you know, uh, def- mm-hmm. offensive lines. And uh, tomorrow's going to be a lot, of tr- a lot of trouble when they've got their offensive line is going to consist of Bradley oh, Sowell, Tom Compton, and Hironis uh, Grasso. And uh, more on the Bears beat. This is from Mark Potash. The Bears now at five and ten, five wins, ten losses. They are, according to Mr. Potash, ninth in the uh, 2018 draft order. Could jump to as high as sixth with right. a loss for all you tankers out there. Uh, that would be if the Broncos, Jets, and Niners, who are all also at five and ten, win. Got that? So there's four teams, five and ten. Uh, Bears, Broncos, Jets, Niners. If those three lose and the Bears, uh, or do I have it the other way? No, if they win, it's so reversing on the uh, bizarro world. Right. So if those three win, the Bears lose, they could vault then to as high as the uh, sixth. Right. Six is as high as they can go. Twelve is as low as they can go. And uh, final Bears note here on the yellow pad. There was the uh, first uh, real mock draft that I happened to stumble into. I'm sure there have been more, but this is the first one I found uh, the other day. And uh, here's here's what they have. Uh, not the names, but the t- but the positions. Okay. And the uh, season, if it ended, it would be Cleveland first with a quarterback. New York Giants second with a quarterback. That's quarterback number two. Uh, the Colts would be third, and they got them for a offensive tackle. Well, someone's got to protect Andrew Luck if he ever comes back. Exactly. Yeah. Cleveland fourth with a DB. Tampa Bay fifth with a defensive end. Denver sixth with quarterback number three. The Jets seven with quarterback number four. The Niners eighth with the first running back. So the Bears, they have taken the wide receiver... And they have uh, from Texas A&M, let's see, Kirk is his last name, I believe. So the Bears don't, here's where it's going to fall nicely for the Bears, Fred. The Bears do not plan or need to draft, it appears, a quarterback, certainly. No. So four of the eight picks above them are quarterbacks. So that you could almost say the Bears are drafting 
fifth, sixth, seventh. The Bears are drafting fifth. If you're looking at the fact that four teams between them and uh, number one are going to take a quarterback, they really have the board spread out uh, for them. They're not going to take, I certainly wouldn't think, a running back like they project the Niners in the eight hole. Right. So that would put the Bears with the fourth pick. A tackle goes, a DB goes, and a defensive end goes. You know my theory. I don't want to see a wide receiver. Don't want any no, I don't want to see a wide receiver, receiver either. So I got my eyes on this tackle that they have. We were just, you were just talking about Andrew Luck. The Colts going after. To me, offensive line is where I go. Murph, come on. You're trying to develop the, the kid, the quarterback, Trubisky. You need the wide receivers. I'm not saying you don't. I'm saying you don't take him number one. You work on offensive line number one. And then if the wide receiver, third, fourth round, falls into your lap, I worry about the wide receiver in a year, Fred. You know what I do? Maybe the number one to number two in a year. They're still so far removed, the Bears, from where they have a chance to, well, see, I, yeah, to make them. Well, I, I disagree just because there are eight new teams in the playoffs this year. Eight of the 12 teams I are know. new. Yeah. So you can improve quickly. Yes. Uh, but I don't want to see him take a, a wide receiver either. I don't know if I want to wait too long. I might take a wide receiver in the second or third. I don't know that I wait third or fourth, but they definitely need some more help in the offensive line. I think this year has proven that. Three, Problem three, is they can't keep anybody healthy. Three, three, two, three, two seven, 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 six. Yellow pad continues, but Northwest side Mario has been waiting. Hey, Mario, jump in. Murph and Fred, hello. Hey, guys, I don't have anything sport-wise to say other than I wanted to give you guys a chest bump. You guys bring back a little nostalgia for me. I love you guys together. Just the sound of both of you guys is incredible to me. When I turned you on this morning, I was like, yes, today's going to be a good day. <laughs> Stay so, warm. Stay it's going to be a cold day. But, yeah. Happy New Year. Thanks, Mario. Thanks, Mario. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, it's going to be a cold one, but yeah, the sun's out. People are on the streets. No one's hibernating. Till tomorrow, that's when the Bears start their hibernation. Did you see the tribute to uh, Sam uh, Ranzula, I believe it's pronounced? I don't know who yesterday. that is. Well, nobody did. Uh, he was highlighted. Did he, cre- did he create the wind chill? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the incorrect one they used of the first uh, 25 years. Okay. No. So, uh, Sam Ranzula, I believe I'm pronouncing it correctly, was honored uh, on, on Channel 9, uh, Neil Funk and uh, uh, Stacey King. Oh, I did see this. I didn't know his game, name. Uh, of 41 years... Uh, working for the Chicago Bulls since 1976. Uh, he had retired, and that was his uh, first game, uh, you know, as a fan, evidently. They had good seats. Had good seats. Well, you bet yeah. after 41 years. Yep. And uh, uh, he started with the Bulls in 1976. And you got to figure, he's the all-time longest-running uh, uh, other than the owner. You know, the owner, well, no, Jerry wasn't even there then. Jerry didn't buy the team till uh, Jordan. Right. A lot of people forget, Jerry Reinsdorf bought the Bulls after uh, Jordan had already played uh, one year okay. uh, or so. And uh, so the longest-running employee in the history of the Chicago Bulls, uh, congratulations, Sam Ranzula. Which then uh, uh, leads me uh, to re- remember who the you know shortest uh, running 
uh, employee of the Bulls uh, was. 41 years for Sam, say 80 games, 3,200 uh, Bulls games. Pretty good. Uh, plus, I, he, I think he was in the security and uh, equipment, and they said he did everything over the, you know, over 41 yeah. years. You do everything. Uh, 3,200, uh, give or take, uh, games. The longest uh, running employee, and the, so I was saying we should honor the shortest running employee, um, which of course would be uh, me. Okay. Yeah. One game I worked for the Bulls. Did you? Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I was Putting a, up seats or what? No, junior in uh, high school, Lions Township Lagrange. Friend of mine uh, said, uh, "Hey, uh, Ben Bentley's looking for a uh, uh, helper." Uh-huh. Uh, ben Bentley, the uh, PR guy or the Bulls? Goes, yeah. They need someone to help with some of the stat stat work. Right. Statistician. Right. Oh, cool. I said, what do we have to do? He says, well, not that I already did it for you. All you got to do is uh, uh, show up, show up at the, the, the game tomorrow night. This is, I'm a, a junior in high school, just got my driver's license, and you're going to be uh, working on uh, stats. Okay. And, uh, great, great. Pretty good at math, you know. Okay. Yeah. So I drive down there, pull up to the uh, employee gate, the player gate, you know. I said, yeah, I'm uh, working for uh, Ben Bentley. They go, who are you? I said, Mike Murphy, uh, we got, you're not on the list. Get out of here. <laughs> so I had to pay to park a, a buck and a half across the street in the big lot. Yeah. So then I walk over to the uh, the infamous, the old famous, uh, was it gate three and a half? Three and a half. Gate stadium. three and a half is yeah. the best. The media entrance. Oh, end. I love it. So I walk over there. I go, yeah, I'm uh, working uh, Ben Bentley, stat man. They go, what's your name? Mike Murphy. They go, you're not on this list. I said, can you call Ben? And Ben's busy. I had to go buy a ticket. <laughs> but like a two dollar uh, ticket to get in, uh-huh. and uh, I'm down by the hanging down by the court before. No one go. No one's there. Right. They maybe drew a couple thousand people, and I see him walk by with a big cigar. I go, Ben, Ben. He looks over. Yeah, what do you want, kid? He's got the cigar. What do you want, kid? I go, Mike Murphy. Goes, so what are you? What do you want? I said, my friend Roy Leonard told me that uh, you need an assistant stack. Oh, you're the guy, right? Yeah, come on in. So I end up sitting like where the old uh, penalty box was right. for the uh, Blackhawks. Uh-huh. And he gives me like a yellow pad. Maybe that's where I get into the yellow pads first. And a, a couple pencils. He goes, here you go, kid. I said, what do I do, Ben? What do you want me to do? Points, assists, uh, fouls. And he goes, no. Minutes played. Oh. I go, what? Minutes played. Mark down the minutes played. Here's a couple roster. Give me a couple of mimeographed roster yeah. sheets. They used to call them mimeographed. Right. So I got the two. I remember it was the uh, Warriors were playing, okay? And the uh, big Nate Thurman and, and the Bulls, or maybe it was yeah. them then, and the Bull Winkle. Right. So everything's fine. So the five starters, the game starts, check them off. Okay, game goes about four, five, six minutes. I'm enjoying myself, looking yeah, around. Yeah, really easy, right? Oh, time out. Okay. Now, the Warriors bring in three new guys. The Bulls bring in four new guys. Okay, okay, now. And then you look up at the clock. Right to try. Okay, let's see. It's a seven-minute marker. Well, no, no. It's really about six. Th- but they didn't have digital. Yeah. No digital clock back then. They had what we would call the sweep hand. Right. Uh, a, a clock. Right. And uh, the minute hand. And it was the Blackhawks clock to yeah, make it worse, which was a twenty-minute period clock. Right. So there were no numbers on it. No numbers on it. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure. Out, and I'm looking up there at the clock. And now, who, time out. Two guys, I don't even know the five that had come in. Now two more new ones are in. Yep. So I'm trying to figure this out the end of the end. I said, here's the best I could do, Ben. It's all a bunch of just chicken and scratch numbers. He says, what? He says, what is this? I go, well, wait a minute, that clock. I'm thinking, yeah, I know, it's sort of tough. He says, how many people do you think are here? were here today? How many people were here? I don't know. I don't know. There weren't many. I said, about a 1,000. He goes, that's too low. 
I go, what? He goes, make it higher. I go, 2,000. He goes, no, 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 that's, that's a round number. Right. I go, I don't know, 